0: Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. One church, two locations, it's such a blessing. Good morning to our online family and uh, to our family in Philadelphia. Uh, Pastor Tim here in Chicago just made a a serve push, just talked about serving. And uh, just... Providentially, I, I was talking to Pastor Josh this week, and Pastor Josh sent me a video of a member at Philly Tab. They're getting ready for their Kids Week of Innovation. It's a kids outreach, week-long kids outreach in August in Philadelphia. And one of the members was leading the first meeting of their building team. And their building team is gonna transform the sanctuary. And I saw the video and he was pitching vision. He was saying, people are gonna walk into the sanctuary and they're gonna be wowed. They're gonna say, wow, what is this place? And they're gonna be captivated. He was pitching vision to these people. And then I saw a picture and it was was people painting uh, things that they're building. People of all ages, young people, older people, They were serving, but what marked me, what stuck out to me is the man leading that team is Todd. And I remember before uh, Philadelphia Tabernacle was even named Philadelphia Tabernacle, I went and visited there and I happened to be there, I believe I happened to be there the day that Todd got baptized. And it wasn't that long ago. And over the course of time, God has brought Todd and now Todd has has he's he's gotten to know the Lord. He's he's gone deeper with God. And God's starting to give him a dream and now now God is using him to be fruitful. And every person here in Chicago, every person in Philadelphia, every person online, there is more that God has for you. God wants you to serve his kingdom. He wants you to serve your family, he wants you to serve the community, he wants you to serve the church and use the gifts, the specific gifts that God has given you to bless others. Your life is not for just for yourself. Your life, we are blessed to be a blessing to others. Anybody say amen? amen? Amen. So listen, if you're not serving here in Chicago, out in Philadelphia, online, if you're not serving, find a place to serve because when you start to serve, you start to get around the body of Christ and now God, that's when God starts to give you a bigger dream for your life. Amen. So, um, so, amen. We want to, and with that, we want to continue in our Joseph series, uh, Living the Dream. And everybody here, just like I, I kind of like I just said, if you have a heart for God, God has a dream for you. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm still walking into the dream that God has for me. I'm like, God, what more do you have for me? Does anybody want more from God. The thi- I want more from God. I believe that here in Chicago, there in Philadelphia, that God has more for each and every one of us. And I wanna, uh, I wanna read a couple verses from the life of Joseph from, uh, from Genesis. But we, last week, uh, we heard about Joseph finding favor and that, that dreamers, they find favor with God. Dreamers walk in favor. Dreamers live in favor. And as Joseph becomes fruitful, as Joseph starts to walk into this new season of his life, he has kids. And I wanna read a passage of scripture where he names his kids. And it's powerful because what we name and label things is often right in line with our disposition. In other words, our disposition often dictates how we name something, how we label something. I'll, I'll say it a little more plainly: our mood sometimes dictates how we might name something or label something. I was uh, uh, me and my my wife Amanda. We went to we went out to dinner uh, earlier this week, and uh, as we were driving to the restaurant, I was. Uh, we were, we were talking and one of us started to get a little hangry, a little angry because of our hunger, right? I won't say which one. Uh, okay, it was me. It was me. I was the one who was, who was a little angry, who was a little perturbed, a, little, uh, a, a a little on edge for no other reason because I needed food. I needed to be fed. I was like a little kid, like I just need food, right? And we're going to this restaurant. And if you've ever been to, uh, let's say like an Italian restaurant or a steakhouse, when you sit down, one of the first things they do is they bring you bread, right? And when I, that, I, we hadn't even sat down yet. They put the menus on our table. We started, I started to pull out the chair, and before I could sit down, bread was on the table. And I was elated. And I just went bread after bread after bread. They came back, they said, Would you like more bread? Yes, please, keep it coming. <laughs> that bread fixed my mood. But do you know why they bring you bread like that? It's because at restaurants that the food takes a little longer, they don't want you to get upset. They don't want you to get moody. They don't want your disposition to go downhill because if your disposition starts to go downhill, then you get the food. And even if it's the most amazing food in the world, you're gonna be eating that food and you're gonna be in a bad mood. And if you're in a bad mood, you're gonna eat that food and you're gonna say, yeah, it's pretty good, but I don't know if it's worth the wait. Yeah, it was pretty good, but I don't know if it was worth the check. But instead, but if you're ready, if you say, okay, I'm, I'm good, I had a little bread, I'm all right, and that food comes to you, say, oh, that was, good. that was good. It changes everything about your experience for the meal. It changes everything about your experience for the restaurant. And so now when you leave, you're gonna, you might leave a different tip. You might leave a different review on Yelp. You might leave, you might uh, uh, give a different review, a secondhand review to somebody that you know. You might say, yeah, that place is good instead of, "Uh, it's good, but I don't know if it's worth the wait, right? Our disposition will dictate how we name or label something. And it's not just with food. It's with seasons of our lives. It's with moments in our lives. It's with days in our lives. It's with relationships. It's It's with how we view God and how we view others. And with Joseph... I wanna pick up right where we left off last week. I wanna read two quick passages of scripture. One is right where we left off, right when he is ruler of, he's, he's, uh, Pharaoh gives him all of Egypt to rule over. He says, you're in charge. And right after Pharaoh says, you're in charge, this is what, uh, this is what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 41. It says, before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, by Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. Joseph names his firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son, he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Now, I wanna, I wanna fast forward to Genesis 50. So in the next few chapters, there's a famine in the land. Joseph's brothers come, they're looking for food and they, they don't know that Joseph is still alive. And so there's a lot of back and forth of them discovering that Joseph's alive and them realizing what they've done. But I wanna jump ahead to Genesis chapter 50. And Genesis chapter 50 says this. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the, the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, look at this, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Joseph, he's been, he had 11 brothers bully him to a severe extent. He had one brother who kind of stuck, out, stuck up for him. And that one brother said, no, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery. After all of that, Joseph wept. He had a tender heart. Joseph's heart was so soft, was so tender that he weeps over them. He says, I'm not God. I'm not gonna judge you. And then he says this, you intended to harm me, but God intended it. For good. Everybody say, for good. good. What the enemy, what people, what things may intend to harm us, God can what? He can intend it for good. Everybody say, "For for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke. Kindly to them. Can you imagine, Joseph? I want to just reiterate. Joseph was 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 turned on by eleven of his brothers. One stuck up for him, and and that's even a, a loose interpretation because he said, No, 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 don't kill him. Let's just leave him here, and then we'll sell him into slavery. That was the one. That that was the one who stuck up for him. Can you? I, I I've you know. The pastors here—Pastor Josh in Philadelphia, me, Pastor Tim, Pastor Jose, Pastor Dave, Pastor Toledo—we've counseled people that have gone through trauma in their in their childhood. Some of us have been through that, tra- that trauma. Some of us have been through trauma as adults. We've been abandoned. We've been left. We've been we've been bruised. We've been tormented by things, and it sticks with us. But Joseph says, "I'm not letting that stick." all of the bad things that have, been, that have been done. No, no, I'm not looking at that. That was intended for evil, but God has intended it for good. Amen. His children, what does he name them? He names them Manasseh because God has made me forget all of the toil of my father's household, all of the toil of my past. He's made me forget it. And now I'm gonna, and now in the hymn, I'm gonna name him Ephraim. Because God has made me fruitful. Ephraim means fruitful. He has made me fruitful in the most difficult places. You know what Joseph does? He names and labels things on the basis of the goodness of God and not on the circumstances around him. On the goodness of God and not on the basis of what other people have done to him. On the goodness of God and not on, I have to repay this person for that and this person for that. No, he didn't, he didn't let a chip stay on his shoulder. He didn't let vengeance be his. He said, no, God has something better for me. And because he believed that God had something better for him, God showed him the better that he had for him. I don't know about you, but I wanna walk into God's wonderful this year. I wanna step into the God's fullness. I wanna be as fruitful as God has called me to be. I wanna, I wanna take all of the fruit. I wanna step into all of the fullness. I want every last drop. And that means, God, I don't want any poison to stick with me. I wanna live poison-free. That's what Joseph did. He lived poison-free. And that's the title of t- today's message. Dreamers live Poison free. Everybody say poison free. poison free. Dreamers live poison free. Joseph, he had every reason to let poison stick to him, to be poisoned, to be poisoned by, by hate, to be poisoned with shame, to be poisoned with, uh, with envy and with jealousy and with rage. But no, he didn't let it stick. Amen. The, um, You know, even if you look at what poison is, poison is a toxin that doesn't just harm you on its own. What poison does is it attacks your body, but it tries to tell your body, hey, um, all of your body's defense system, hey, come and attack this, it's needed here. And so what happens when all of the defense system comes there, everything else is vulnerable. So you know what poison does for our bodies? Poison causes chaos in all of the defense systems. And in the same way in the spirit, poison, and we're gonna get into what it is, poison, it causes chaos in our hearts. It causes chaos in our minds. It causes chaos in our spirits where we stop. We start thinking up is down and down is up and left is right and right is left. And we stop seeing things clearly for what God has for them. Yeah. Poison, it derails us. There's a, uh, uh, the poison, the toxin that, that is found in, In food bacteria, in foodborne illnesses. You know, you ever hear people say, I have food poisoning, or it was something I ate, right? A lethal dose of that can be as small as 0.00003 micrograms per kilogram of your body weight. So, to put that into perspective, it's the equivalent of a flea derailing a 100-mile freight train. Something so small can derail something so big. So what does that mean? It means that poison so small can derail a dream that's big for your life. This is, we're talking about, Joseph had big reasons to potentially be poisoned. But we're talking about, it can even be small things. That's why, that's why at this church, we say, hey, we don't tolerate gossip. Because gossip can, can breed small pieces of poison that then become very large, yeah. that derail us. Uh, envy and jealousy and greed, those are small things of poison that, that if they're not dealt with, they can grow and they can derail us. So Joseph and dreamers, we live poison-free. Amen. poison is the is the enemy's uh, back channel underground way to try and get us to derail our lives the um, even the the ancient Greeks they said that poisoning you know you, you ever see cartoons where somebody would like poison somebody's somebody 's drink and um, in old uh, uh, in old cartoons or old stories they would have the cupbearer and the cupbearer would would drink the, the cup of of water or of, of wine or whatever they were drinking so that the king would be protected in case somebody tried to poison them, right? The Greeks, they said only foreigners would poison a Greek because it's so low level. It's such a low level form of attack. And it's the way that the enemy loves to do it because we never chalk it up to the enemy; we, we always chalk it up to other people. Or to other other forces, or to other um, other groups of people, or sometimes to ourselves. But we never, we seldom see it for what it was, and it's just an attack from the enemy, and it's a low, 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 low level of attack. So, dreamers can live poison free, and the fullness of fruitfulness is that we don't have to live with poison in our spirits. You see, some of us we walk around. Guilty. And we've we've poisoned. We think that we've poisoned ourselves. Some of us walk around and we're we're in shame because of something that's been done to us, or we walk around in anger because of something that's been done to us, or we walk around in bitterness because of something that's been done to us. The Apostle Paul said, "Don't let a root of bitterness grow up in you." So what does that mean? It means take it at its root, take it where it starts from, and get it out of there. We don't want. We can live bitter free. We can live poison free. We can live guilt free because we are in Jesus Christ, because we are called to live the dream that God has for us. So why can dreamers live poison free? Number one, God can take the sting away. God can take the sting away. So what is that? You know, why is that important? Uh, Joseph called him Manasseh. And Joseph called him Manasseh, and it's God has made me to forget. And in the, um, in the Bible, God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. So I want you to notice something there. It doesn't mean that he says it didn't happen. It doesn't mean that, um, oh, I'm gonna ignore it. It doesn't mean that I'm gonna push it to the side and I'm gonna throw it under the rug and I'm gonna, I'm gonna just act like it didn't happen. No, that word forget, it means to, to, put it, to put the effects of it out of your mind, to no longer let the sting hurt you. Amen. It's still acknowledging that something happened. It's still acknowledging, he still knows that his 11 brothers forsake him that they tried to, that they were bullying him to a severe extent, that they put him down and that they tried to, that, that they really tried to kill him. But he says, the ill effects of that doesn't have, it has no hold on me. I'm not operating under that law. I'm not operating under the law of vengeance. I'm not operating under, I have to get them back. He's saying, no, you intended it for evil. Someone intended it for evil. It was intended for evil by the enemy, but God, you turned it into good. Amen. The past hurts, the past frustrations, the past disappointments that we feel, the enemy wants to poke them. He wants to try and get them a little deep. If the enemy can get those disapp- the pain and the sting of those disappointments, of those hurts, no matter how big or how small they are, 1% deeper into our hearts, he's winning. But God says, no, I can take the poison out. Amen. I can let this, I can get the sting out. I can, I can heal you. I can touch you. I can remove that from you. Amen. It's kind of, Joseph was forgetting the toil he endured, the harsh treatment in his father's house, and he, but he didn't mull over all the mean things that his brothers did. He didn't think about the sorrows he endured as a slave in Egypt. He didn't think about being forgotten by the cupbearer while he was in prison. He didn't think about all the lost time. No, he said, God, you've set this all up for my good. You've set this up so that I could be here right now. You know, sometimes a good memory is a blessing, but not all the time. Past failures, our past burdens, our heartaches. It's tragic when we harbor them as poison. There's a, um, one of the uh, one of the largest uh, one of the most noteworthy poison control centers in the U.S. is actually at the Philadelphia Children's Hospital, and one thing that their director said was that no, you know, they get calls all the time. Uh, my child's doing this, or I I took this and now I'm having this reaction, or uh, I have these symptoms, I don't know what happened. And they said, no two calls are ever the same. Every little one is unique. The reactions, the effects, the symptoms, the treatment. But in Jesus, every single one of our stories is unique. Every single thing that has happened to you has only happened to you. The things that have happened to me have only happened to me. The disappointments you feel, only you feel the true uh, gravity of that disappointment. Only you have walked through that situation. Only you have encountered that. Only, only you have, have had to deal with the guilt or the shame or the, the, um, or the loneliness of that. But for every single one of us, God, is an, God has an open door for us. He has an open ear. And he says, come to me, all who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. We can, he can take the sting out, but we have to let him. We have to make the call. <laughs> Nobody, the, the Philadelphia Children's Center, on their website, they have stories of, of success stories of, of this person, uh, they, they had this and this was their story. And then the, here's, how we, here's how we treated it. Not, they don't have any stories of people who didn't call. We have to call. We have to ask for help. We have to say, God, this, this, this is hurting, God, I, but I need you to take it. We have to be vulnerable. We have to be open. We have to, we have to take the mask off. We have to say, God, this hurts. This pain. Uh, Joseph didn't say, God made me never feel the pain of my brothers and my father's household. He said, God has helped me forget the pain of it. God has helped me not feel the pain of it anymore, but that means that he did feel the pain. Pain that we feel is real. Hurt that we feel is real. Disappointment that we feel is real, but it doesn't have to stick with us and it doesn't have to affect the way that we live our lives. It's kind of like this. There's, um, if you're here in Chicago uh, reach, reach in front of you and just touch the seat in front of you. Just, just touch the back of the seat. If you're in the front row, just, just touch the side of your seat, right? You feel the fabric, you feel the texture. If you're in Philadelphia, reach in front of you, feel the, feel the pew. You know what that is? That's 3D, that's in real life. You feel that, you touch it, you experience it. If you're, if you're looking at renderings of homes, there's a 3D rendering and then there's a, there's a, there's a 3D rendering, right? And you see that, you experience that. You can say, oh, there's the couch, and and if this was your, this was your apartment, it's a nice apartment. You say, oh, there's my, there's my stove, right? And it's, and there's my, uh, there's the oven, there's the fridge, and I know what's in the fridge. And there's my, there's the couch that I, that I relax on. And there's the bed that I go, on. you know it, you feel it, you experience it. Sometimes our pain, when we can't, it's not forgetting it. It's not amnesia, right? It's forgetting the pain that it, that it induced upon us. It's moving on from the pain that it induced upon us. It's going from 3D to 2D it's your experiences are no longer something that's felt 3d all around you that you experience and that you re- replay over and over it's it's into okay that happened but it's just a line item it's just something plain it's just something it's there but i'm not i'm not living and experiencing it it's like there's the bedroom yeah okay what about it next thing yeah there's the there's the broken relationship. Yeah, okay, next thing. Then God did something else. There's the, the abandonment. Yeah, but then God did something else. It's not there's the abandonment and, and there's this and now, now that's impacting this. And now this way that I feel is now uh, um, uh, spewing into this way and the way that I talk to somebody. God can, relive, can, can relieve us of the 3D and he can push us into 2D. He can say, this is the sting that I'm taking out of it. It's the experiential pain. And he says, I'm taking that experiential pain and I'm relieving you of it. I'm not, I'm not, taking, I'm not giving you amnesia. I'm not just, just flashing you with a light and now you don't forget years of your life. He's saying, no, I'm taking that and I'm gonna restructure the way that you see it. This is restructuring the way that we see things. Paul actually, the Apostle Paul, he experienced this too. In 2, in 2 Timothy, he's writing to Timothy. And he says this, he says, Timothy, do your best to come, to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. So the Apostle Paul's deserted. I bet some of us in this room have felt deserted. About some of us in Philadelphia have felt deserted. Some of us online have felt deserted, abandoned, lonely, left on the wayside. Alexander, the metal, the metal worker, did a great deal of harm. Another translation says, hurt me in many ways. So the apostle Paul, he's not absolved from this either. The apostle Paul is abandoned. He has people hurt him in many ways. But what's the, and, and it hurt. It was real pain, right? Some of us, things happen to us and we try to put on a mask and we say, yeah, they left, but it's all good. I didn't want them anyways in my life. I didn't wanna talk to them anyways, you know? You ever talk to somebody and, and, uh, and they're in a bre- they, they just had a breakup? You say, how you doing? Oh, it was, um, I didn't want that anyway. I was about to break up with them. I, I, yeah, it was it was a it was a blessing, you know, it was a blessing in disguise. Meanwhile, they're not telling you how it really hurt. They're not telling you the real pain. A lot of times, we just go on and we say, "Oh, because God's made me strong, this doesn't hurt." That's not true. If it hurts, it hurts. If it's painful, it's painful. God has made you into a human. Jesus, he felt all the same pains that we did. He felt all the same emotions that we did. That's why he was, he was a man so that he could sympathize with us. He could empathize with us. He knows what it's like to walk in our shoes. But the apostle Paul said, put this back, put that back up. The apostle Paul says, yeah, I was abandoned. Yeah, uh, Alexander, he did me a great deal of harm. And he, he hurt me in many ways. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. It's God's strength. God's strength doesn't always stop us from the pain, but God's strength saves us from the sting of the poison lasting. The poison doesn't need to last. We have to move on from the poison. We have to not let it sit. Every poison has an antidote. Every poison needs an antidote. The antidote is what, is what attacks the poison. God's strength can attack the poison. God's strength can attack the sting, but you have to be honest with God about it. You have to let him in. Joseph said, he, I, he, he made me forget the pain. Paul said, it was, it was painful. He, he hurt me in many ways. He did me a great deal of harm. He puts it out there. He puts it on the table. He puts it on the altar. And then God comes in and he says, there's my strength. The apostle Paul later, he says, the the Lord's strength was found perfect in my weakness. When we're weak, he's strong. When we're weak, he can come in. When we we feel the sting, God can come in and he can relieve us of the sting. He doesn't go back in time and change something that happened. Whether it's self-inflicted, It's somebody else inflicted or it's circumstance inflicted. We can't go back and change what happened, but God can say, I can relieve the sting of you from you and I can change your perspective to show you how I can work in this way. What the enemy intended for evil, I what? I'm making for good. For your good, for your good. In Philadelphia, for your good. He wants to take things and he wants to change them For our good. So when the Lord takes the sting away, He can then make us fruitful even in the most difficult of places. Joseph was never in an easy place to be fruitful. I want you to notice Joseph; he's ruler of over Egypt. He's he's put in charge of Egypt, and he's a foreigner that wouldn't really fly here in the United States, that wouldn't fly in our world. He's a foreigner that is often at odds with the nation of Egypt. And then he's given complete control over the whole nation. But he does this. He gives his children, not Egyptian names, is Hebrew names. He says, I'm not forgetting where I came from and I'm gonna, and they're gonna continue the legacy that I put out for them. Ephraim's name name means fruitful. The second son he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. If you've been, I talked to somebody this week and they were going through it, but guess what? God is gonna make them fruitful in our times of suffering. It's when everything's good for us, that's a test because we have to say, okay, uh, are we gonna depend on God? But when you're suffering, when you're in the, when you're in the hard place, pastor on Tuesday, he talked, about, he talked about being in the hard places. When you're in the hard place, God can make you fruitful right there. He helps. He says, hey, depend on me, I'm gonna make you fruitful. Depend on me, I'm gonna help you. Depend on me, I'm gonna show you how to, how to bear fruit. I'm gonna show you what to do. Not succeed, I'm not talking about success. Worldly success is one thing, but I'm talking about fruit. Fruit that will last. Fruit that has an impact on others. Fruit that, that somebody who's walking around with the word of God on their, on their heart. Somebody's walking around with the bite of God in their life. Somebody's walking around, and they have the wisdom and discernment of God because they've spent time with God. Because they're not processing in light of of poison, but they're saying, no, free from poison, now I can be fruitful. And yes, it might be a land of suffering. I uh, I might be struggling to make ends meet. I might be between jobs. I might not have the relationship that I want. I might might feel deserted and abandoned. But God can make me fruitful. The Bible says that the Lord orders the steps of the righteous. We're not righteous in ourselves. We're righteous in Jesus. So he's ordering your steps. And as he orders your steps, you can say, God, show me what it means to be fruitful in this season. Even for Joseph, that was different in every season. He was, he, was a, he was a slave and he was called to be fruitful in that season. Then he was a prisoner. He was called to be fruitful in that season. He was fruitful in different ways as a prisoner than he was as a slave. And then he became, he became second in command, ruling all over Egypt, fruitful in a different way. Yeah. New seasons, new grace. Amen. New seasons, new fruitfulness. New seasons, new ways of new sting that he needed to, to let go of, too. You notice it wasn't just childhood sting for him. It wasn't just childhood pain. He he was forgotten about in prison. They said, he said, hey, would you please remember me when you, when you, talk, to the, when you talk to the king, when you talk to Pharaoh? I said, yes, I'll remember you. Two verses later, and he forgot. And he forgot about Joseph. God can help us forget and then God can help us be fruitful. You know, I remember, um, I remember actually being, uh, when I was over the youth ministry, when I was a youth pastor, I remember meeting somebody from another ministry um, and they rubbed me the wrong way. And it was probably more my issue than theirs. But for some reason, I just, uh, I, I just, I had a level of cynicism in me. I had a level of poison in me. And I remember I went somewhere and I heard the leader of that ministry speak and I couldn't receive it. It was like a brick wall. Why couldn't I receive it? Because I was cynical. Because I was closed-minded. Because I, I had a little small piece of poison in there that had started to grow and it stopped me from receiving the very thing that I needed right there. I remember I looked back a couple of years later and I, and I remembered the message that was preached, but I couldn't receive it for myself. I remembered the message and I thought, I needed that message right there. And guess what? I missed out. If I would have received that, I could have been fruitful earlier. I could have walked into a new level of fruitfulness earlier. It would have helped me deal with stuff. But guess what? I was cynical. I was closed off. I was poisoned. Not even by anybody else, by myself. We have our own biases. We have our own prejudices that can allow a little bit of poison in there and it can stop us from being fruitful. God today, he wants to cleanse you of that. He wants to cleanse us of that. He wants us to walk into a new level of fruitfulness. Jesus talked about this. Mark 16, it says, he talks about the, um, it's right after the great commission. He says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, what? It will not hurt them at all. So you know what this is saying? You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of hurt. You don't have to be afraid of pain. You don't have to be afraid of disappointment. You can walk into the valley of the shadow of death. And if God has called you there, God will protect you. There might be things that are difficult. There might be things that are hard, but God will make you fruitful even in the land of suffering, even in difficult situations, even in difficult circumstances. He will make you fruitful. You have to ask yourself honestly, what does fruit look like in my life? Is it the same old same old? Is it increasing my uh, my level of generosity with my time or with my resources? Is it being more bold in my faith? Is it is it adjusting my lifestyle to be a more of a representation of Jesus? Is it stepping out and helping somebody that that uh, that I don't really know or I'm not really comfortable with? Th- that's for you to answer. Every one of us is different. God has called us to be fruitful is it is it having difficult conversations in, our, in my relationships is it leading our family to pray whatever that is God has called you to be fruitful and it's not fruitful in perfect situations in perfect conditions no Psalm one says that the righteous man is like a tree planted along streams of water who get bears fruit in all seasons in all seasons God has called you to bear fruit. So the way that I wanna close today, Philippians 3, Paul says this. You know, I've gone back to this a little bit, but Paul says this, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. And what he's really talking about is, is the big dream of God for his life. He said, I'm still walking into it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Everybody say, forgetting what is behind. In Philadelphia, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I'm gonna forget what's behind. I'm gonna strain toward what's ahead. I'm gonna ask God for help. And God is gonna, he's gonna take the sting away and he's gonna make me fruitful. So listen, we're gonna take communion today. When you walked in, they gave you the elements. And I'm gonna, we're gonna lead you in that. But we're gonna take communion and we're gonna say, God, there's a weather alert here in Chicago. <laughs> Philadelphia, there's a severe weather alert. But he's gonna remove this thing. I don't know what that means, but he's gonna remove this thing. We're gonna take communion. And God is going to, he's gonna remove He's going to remove the weather alerts. In Philadelphia, our iPhones are working here in Chicago, just so you know. We're going to take communion. And we're going to say, God, you died for my forgiveness. You died to forgive me. You also died because you forgave me. I can forgive others. I can forgive myself. God, you died so that the sting would be put to death. Paul says in Romans, death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? It's nowhere to be found for those who are found in Christ Jesus. So we're gonna take communion. And as we take communion, we're gonna ask ourselves, how am I labeling? How am I naming my circumstance, my season?" Am I labeling it and naming it based on the goodness of God? Or am I naming it or labeling it based on poison, based on a disposition that I've let something in that's not of God? I've let something in and it's starting to skew my perspective. I've let something in and it's starting to to allow me to judge things just a little bit off. And we're gonna commit that to God. But here's what we wanna do before we take communion. For every person here, every person online, every person in Philadelphia, Jesus, he paid the ultimate price. The story of Joseph is incredible because Joseph is even a type of Christ. The things that happened to Joseph are paralleled with what happened to Jesus. Joseph was abandoned by his brothers and betrayed. Jesus was Abandoned by the people closest to him. He was betrayed. Joseph kept going and he kept going and he still rose to power. Jesus rose to power. Joseph saved a nation. Jesus saved the world. He came and he died for you. He came online. He came and he died for you. In Philadelphia, he came and he died for you. He died for you because he loves you. You've had things happen in your lives. He came for every single person. The person who's been been betrayed, the person who's lived a perfect life, who's, who's lived, there is no perfect life, but who's been on easy street. Jesus came for you. And he came because he loves you with an unconditional love.